0: Good morning to my beautiful church family. I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors and I am thrilled to be worshiping with you this morning. We have a, um, a treat. We are continuing in uh, the our Gospel of Mark series. So we uh, this morning we're going to come all the way to the end of Mark chapter 1. So we are really just cooking here, okay? So we're getting there and um, and so I'm excited to just open the word with you and I am thrilled to be able to offer you the the treat of uh, we're going to have Priscilla Bowen uh, uh, bring the word this morning. So she is Priscilla is yeah why not why not right? Uh, Pris- Priscilla is our women's ministry director. Uh, she has been serving been part of this church for a long time. Has been serving faithfully for a few years now. And just what what happens with our ladies um, in the the nurture context of um, their, their Thursday mornings, their Thursday nights. Um, is just a really beautiful, healthy, healthy, healthy part of our church, and it's amazing to just see her care to it. Uh, Priscilla is actually a counselor as well, and so she um, brings that into what she uh, does with her team uh, with Nurture, and I'm just really excited. We get to be blessed by um, having Priscilla open the word with us this morning, so come on up, Priscilla. Let's clap for her one more time, okay? Well, thank you for
1: that. Um, As I said earlier this morning, my self-confidence took a hit this past week. So... um, let me explain that. My friend Christy and I were having a conversation, all things Enneagram, and she was explaining this new discovery that she had. She actually said I elaborated on this story this morning, but I don't think I did. Anyway, she uh, was talking about how the Enneagram number um, has, is linked to an animal that has similarities as the, the Enneagram number. And so she was going on and on about hers, hers being a graceful deer, and she had plenty to say about it, and so naturally I wanted to know what mine was, so she volunteered to look it up for me, but her response was a bit unexpected. I guess this morning I said she was rolling on the floor in laughter. She let me know that was not the case, but she had full-on, like, can't-catch-a-breath laughter, and When she finally gasped enough air in and could get a word out, what I heard was elephant. (laughs) Yeah, Christy, still laughing, of course, lets me know all the wonderful things about how the elephant is so amazing, which even led us watching a documentary on it to try and convince me that this was a positive thing. Um. So, if being compared with an elephant isn't bad enough, a few years back I was challenged to look up the meaning of my name, which I did, um, and it means ancient. (laughs) So, I stand before you not as just Priscilla, but as Priscilla the ancient elephant. (laughs) So, if the shoe fits, right? Okay. Now, let's get down to... Let's get down to business here. Um, As Mark said, we're continuing on in the Gospel of Mark, and it has been rich so far. We're not even through the first chapter, and I feel like even the portion I'm going over today could have been, like, many more weeks. So um, it's just been amazing, and today we're going to look at the theme of Jesus in Desolate Places So when asking people what they thought of a wilderness place or what the term desolate place meant to them, most answered to this effect. Suffering, pain, sickness, undiagnosed illness, depression, loneliness, loss of job, financial stress, grief, fear, anxiety. And most of us in here have either experienced this type of wilderness or at least know someone who has. Carrie was my childhood friend, and she would later let me marry her older brother. She is a friend, a sister, and a follower of Jesus. And she's agreed to let me share a little bit of her wilderness story this morning. For Carrie, the wilderness time began a year and a half ago, a little over now, Um, December 17th, 2021. I get a text from Carrie saying she and my brother-in-law have COVID. December 24th, a phone call. Um, Yeah, a a, a phone call. Walter is in the hospital. It's my brother-in-law. He's struggling to breathe. Please pray. January 12th. 2022. The dreaded call. Walter is gone. The family begins the journey through the wilderness of grieving a beloved husband, father, Poppy. March 17, 2023. Carrie's father, the beloved patriarch of the family, ends his journey peacefully here and enters his eternal home. Carrie had been his caregiver. July 2nd, 2023, one twin brother texts the other, I'm tired, I can't live this way anymore, I just want to see dad. Don't try to stop me, I love you so much. Carrie's son, she will never see her son here again. This is only one heartbreaking story. Of desolation. And I know that it's one among many countless stories as I look out over your faces that we could share today. Many of us are familiar with this type of wilderness. But I pray today that as we delve into Jesus in desolate places, we'll be reminded that we're not alone in this wilderness. I hope that our hearts will be encouraged to follow Jesus' example as we see Jesus prioritizing prayer by intentionally withdrawing from the crowds and busyness of life to find a desolate place to pray. And as we see Jesus' compassion and his willingness to draw near to the outcast, the desperate, the dirty, and the unclean, may we be filled with hope, And compassion to do the same. Let's go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 35. I'm going to go ahead and read all of the text and then we'll break it down. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, meaning Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean." but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So, the first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus, in the midst of a busy life, prioritized prayer. So let's read verse 35 again. <clears throat> And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So I'm going to put this into context for us. Last week, Mark uh, took us through the intense work of Jesus as he showed his authority over the forces of evil and his power uh, to bring healing and restoration to the sick and the suffering. So I imagine he was not only physically tired, but probably emotionally drained. An exhausting late night after a very busy day. So you might expect Jesus the next morning to put the pillow over his head so he can't hear the rooster's crow, indulging in just a little bit more sleep. But no, his physical tiredness doesn't deter him from his emotional need of spending time with the Father. Solitude would have been hard to come by in this busy village. No special prayer closet to sneak away to or cozy corner with a candle and a cup of coffee. No, to find solitude, Jesus made a deliberate choice to sacrifice sleep, And stumble through the dense, early morning darkness. Many of us don't know even what that looks like. For communication with his father. We see that solitude and prayer were essential priorities for Jesus. He knew that in the desolate place, he would hear the voice of his father. The wilderness, you see, was not an unfamiliar place to God's people. As I reflected on this theme of wilderness, many stories from Scripture came to mind, reminding me of the sacredness of the desolate place, a place where God spoke to his people. I think of Jacob traveling from one place to another. He reached a certain place to rest. Nowhere special, a random spot in a desolate place, a rock for his pillow. He falls asleep, which that's amazing in and itself. But anyway, he dreamed, and in that moment, heaven met earth, and earth met heaven. That desolate place was transformed into hallowed ground. Jacob declared, surely the Lord was in this place. And I was not aware of it. The Lord spoke to him in the wilderness. I think of Moses and how God spoke to him from a burning bush in the wilderness. And then him being the one to free his people from slavery by taking them back into the wilderness. Where they would learn the great links that God would go to to dwell with them actually in Nurture. This week, ladies, we start. uh, We're going to be doing a study on the tabernacle, which tells us just that thing. So there's my shameless plug for Nurture. Get signed up if you're not. Um, Super excited about that, actually. But there's so many more stories. One of my favorites, Hagar. Um, There's Elijah. There's Abraham. And there's just so many stories that we read of God meeting his people but back to Jesus he too experienced solitude in the wilderness as we read earlier in this chapter um, after his baptism in the wilderness and hearing God's voice proclaiming you are my son in whom I am well pleased he then spent 40 years in that desolate place not years sorry 40 days in that desolate place. This was not a new experience for him, and he will return again and again to a desolate place for communion with his father. So we see, despite his busy ministry, he prioritized moments of quiet reflection and communion with the Lord. So here are some questions we can ask ourselves. These are questions I've been wrestling with personally Do we find or do I find an urgency in needing to spend uninterrupted time with the Father? Are we willing to sacrifice sleep to find strength and direction and communion in solitude and prayer? Do we think we are busier than Jesus or have more pressing responsibilities than he had? Sometimes I think I do. Granted, he didn't have the distractions of the iPhone or the computer or social media or binge-watching Netflix. No, he only had crowds clamoring to see him, storms needing to be calmed, demons being cast out, and thousands of people depending on him for food. Jesus modeled for us the importance of prayer. What would it look like for us to make prayer a priority? Now for us, it may not always be taking ourselves to a desolate place, a wilderness. Uh, It may be a prayer room, a prayer closet, a comfy corner in our house. Or it might be that chaotic time when you're driving your kids from one sport to the next and you have a few quiet moments in the car. It might be putting our phone down for 10 minutes. We can make it work today, and we have so many resources to help us, but we also have so many distractions. Recently, I've been privileged um, to join a few faithful prayer warriors who meet weekly here at the church um, down in room 208 at the very end of the hallway, and it has been a privilege. They pray for the church, for the community, They pray for you, and they pray for me, and they do this consistently. I've been humbled and awed by the fervent prayer of this group. Even in today's busy and hectic world, they make the time and set aside this day, and they make it a priority in their week. They're following Jesus' example, and they've encouraged me in my prayer life. By the way, this is open to anybody, so if that's something that would interest you, I highly, highly recommend it. It's it's a wonderful opportunity to pray for our church. Let's continue reading. So verse 36, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So while Jesus was spending this intentional time with the Father in prayer, Simon and his buddies are frantically out looking for him. Probably woke up, he wasn't there. They've now searched the whole village and they finally find him out in the wilderness. And it almost sounds like a rebuke when Simon says this. Almost like, Jesus, what are you doing here? Come on, there's work to do. There's people lined up waiting to be healed. You're a celebrity now. What are you doing out here? What's this that you're doing? We don't have time for that. It was still early on in their following of Jesus, and they weren't real familiar yet with that type of prayer life. They knew about prayer for sure, but they hadn't really been introduced too much to that type of prayer life. But interestingly enough, later on in the gospel, we'll read where they'll say, Jesus, teach us how to pray and he does. So somewhere along the line, they picked up that this was an important thing to do. So how does Jesus respond to this? Verse 38, and he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus didn't want to be known as a popular miracle worker. He was here to preach the kingdom of heaven. If he wanted fame, he would have gone back to Simon's house. But instead, in the desolate place, alone with his father, he had received his instructions. He knew what he had to do. Jesus had been renewed and and wasted no time in getting back to the work at hand. Prayer should always be a priority, but it should never be an escape or an excuse from keeping us from something that God is calling us to do. I had a wonderful friend who called me out on this several years ago. I had felt the desire to go back to school, felt God calling me to do this as well, to start a profession that would be new to me. Um, And as I wrestled with the decision And fear, mostly fear, I asked her to pray with me and for me, and she was glad to do that. So every week, we would pray, and she'd ask if I had enrolled yet, and I would say, I'm still praying about it. This went on for several weeks, and she asked me one week, have you enrolled yet? And I said, I'm still praying about it. And she grabbed my shoulders, looked directly in my eyes, and said, girlfriend, You have had your answer. You know God called you. Now stop using prayer as an excuse to stay in your comfort zone. Needless to say, that day I went home and I enrolled. Um, So for many of us, making prayer a priority is going to be the challenge. But for some of us, it will be staying in the comfort of this desolate place fearful of life outside the prayer room. But what a great picture we have of Jesus modeling for us how to balance both. Equally important. Verse 40, now we're going to see the work that Jesus was called to. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, You can make me clean. Let's pause here for a moment to take in all that is happening. So much really in one little verse. First, what do we know about leprosy? Well, I can tell you I know a lot more today than I knew when I started studying for this. And most of it I won't share with you because it's all pretty gross. Um, But what I can share with you is leprosy was an umbrella term for a variety of skin issues. Uh, Some say up to 72 different types of issues, from eczema to psoriasis, to even including Hansen's disease, which we call leprosy today. So basically, if you woke up with a skin blemish, you experienced immediate fear and dread, you knew what was coming. You would have to go be examined by a priest, and um, then he would deter- determine whether you were clean or unclean. You can read all of the details, gory details, in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, um, but I'm going to read just a small portion from Leviticus 13 that tells us what the leper had to do um, if they were determined to be unclean. The leprous person who, uh, who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And sh- he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So can you even imagine the emotional and social suffering that people with leprosy endured. It's really hard for us to imagine that. Uh, ironically, I can relate to this in a little, so I even hate to bring it up, but in a small little way, um, I do remember even saying during this period of, my t- of, of life that I felt like a leper, and then I get a study all about it, so there you go. Um, but about a year and a half ago, I got a flare, I started getting little bumps on my hands and feet, just and it was easy to ignore, but it, uh, eventually it would be diagnosed as chronic dyshydrotic eczema, I have to look at the word to know how to even say it, of the hands and the feet. Um, the, the flare-ups became painful, a lot of times hard to walk unable to do anything without wearing gloves, very annoying and frustrating to somebody that's independent. There's no cure, um, but it's not contagious and somewhat manageable with meds. I wasn't isolated or shamed, but here's the thing. I found myself fighting everything in me to not want to isolate. I kept almost every inch of me covered. Wearing gloves a lot of the time. Being around people was hard. And a few months in, I realized my emotional and mental health had begun to break down. I was fearful of becoming self-absorbed. I began to doubt that I should be doing the work that I was doing. My negative thinking had spiraled out of control. It was alarming, actually, to realize I had let my thinking consume me in that way. So, man, I can feel the pain of this leper. One of the most heartbreaking aspects of leprosy was the extreme social isolation that it forced upon its victims, and that I can't relate to, and most of us in this room cannot relate to what that would feel like. It's hard for us to imagine. Now, we have COVID that I'm sure, you know, you're all thinking right now. Well, we did have COVID. Yes, we did. Gave us a tiny little glimpse, and we did not even handle that well, did we? Um, So imagine a lifetime of that. Um, This is what it was like for a leper. Greeting a leper was strictly forbidden. They were legally required to stay at least 50 feet away from anyone considered clean. They were cast out from their own village, torn apart from their family and friends, unable to join in the worship practices that were so important to them and that they had known from childhood. They couldn't even touch or be touched. And society regarded them as if they were already dead. Isolation, solitude, shame, intense physical and mental suffering and unmet basic needs. They couldn't even care for themselves. They couldn't work, couldn't provide for themselves. This became their daily ritual, our reality. The separation, loneliness, and the physical pain would without doubt lead to emotional and mental breakdowns. So here we got this leper, and against all odds, the suffering soul heard about a man with the power to heal. With courage he never knew he had, he defied tradition, the social norms, the religious rules. He approached Jesus, knelt at his feet, and uttered these words, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, Jesus' response, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus was moved with compassion and he touched him. The man who had not felt human touch for who knows how long, he was touched, starved, the man who had been isolated, shamed, and humiliated was touched by Jesus. We know from other gospel accounts that Jesus didn't have to touch him. He could have said the words, stayed 50 feet away, said the words, and he would have been healed. But Jesus knew that it was important to touch In some translations it reads, he grabbed a hold of him or firmly touched him. And it just shows that he knew what that physical touch would do for this man. Jesus doesn't back away or turn away from the leper in disgust. No, instead he draws near to him in all his dirtiness, in all his uncleanness, Jesus steps in and touches him. Jesus moves toward those who are rejected by others. And here's where we see Jesus' power and authority again based on the law. Touching a leper or even getting close to one would have been made Jesus unclean. Jesus doesn't become unclean, but rather the leper becomes clean. He truly is the Son of God. He's doing something no one else has done. The story is such a great reminder of God's deep compassion and his healing power in the face of such great suffering and isolation. Even in our most desperate moments, In the darkness, there's hope for healing, there's hope for restoration. He draws near us, he doesn't leave us there all alone, he draws near in our desolate places. Verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Go and show yourself to the priest. This is following the protocols of the law that if you uh, choose to go read Leviticus 13 and 14, you'll see all about it there. So it's in this man's best interest to do this so he can have formal proof that he and he's that he's clean and he's now allowed back into society. We're not told if he went to the priest, but he clearly doesn't follow Jesus' first command. Say nothing to anyone. Verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So as a result of this man talking, Jesus' ministry was hindered and he had to withdraw to desolate places. Now Jesus is out in desolate places while the leper, who was once an outcast, has a new life and has been restored to community. Do you see what happened here? the leper, and Jesus have traded places. This is a picture of what Jesus did on the cross for each one of us. We are spiritual lepers living in separation and isolation from God. The only way we could ever escape this isolation and enter God's presence was if he left his divine dwelling and entered isolation himself. Jesus declared, I will. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. Jesus bore the weight of our sin and our shame and endured rejection and isolation, facing the ultimate desolation, separation from his Father. Offering himself as a sacrifice, he died on a cross, was buried, taking our sin and shame, But that's not the end of the story. He rose victorious, conquering death and sin. Because Jesus said, I will, we are accepted and welcomed into God's presence. And in our desolate places, he draws near. So if you're in a wilderness right now, I encourage you to go to a desolate place, the place of solitude and prayer, for it's there you'll hear the voice of God. I'm going to end this time reading uh, part of a psalm from David who wrote this when he was in a wilderness season. And I just think it explains it so beautifully. I'm just going to read it kind of as a closing prayer here. Um, before Chelsea comes up and is going to lead us through reflection. So if you want to just close your eyes and um, think about this in, in this way as a prayer, this is David's cry to God. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and desolate land where there is no water. For I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your work on the cross for us. We thank you that you draw near us today, that you don't only dwell with us, but you dwell in us. Um, that we take you wherever we go. We can access you 24-7, Lord. Help us not to take that for granted, but to, um, to avail ourselves to that. Um, help us to carve out time, To spend with you um, as you draw near to us. We love you. Jesus' name. Amen.